0: Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about life and bartending in the Keys. So, Keys Bartender, right? So, this past week, what an eventful week, my wife and daughter went to Poland for six weeks, left on Monday, and that was, um, I'll tell you a brief... I guess, brief, brief retelling of the trip down to the Miami airport, which uh, it wasn't exactly like escape from New York, escape from Miami, but it was really interesting. Um, yeah, six weeks are going away. This, uh, I have a, a wedding to go to up in uh, north of Baltimore Right around in July. But that's not the reason why I'm not going. But I mean, I have a lot of stuff to take care of down here and doctor's appointments and stuff like that. So the girls will be away till August 8th, which I'm dealing with it. I'm well behaved. I don't drink. I don't go out at night. I go work. I work to whatever time. I don't rush home now. But uh, I don't go out. Um, When I do come home, I got to I got to be careful what I do because I end up snacking. And I'm trying to watch uh, what I'm eating. You know, since my, I you know, I guess since early March, since I had my cardiac incident, I'm talking a little about it, a little bit too much about it. So I'm going to try to wean myself off that. But I'm trying to be good, trying to be healthy, meaning do stuff, be productive instead of being a couch potato with the girls away. You know, it's a little sad. You know, It may sound like I'm an island, but... Uh, no, I get into a routine. I like having coffee with my wife in the morning and, and talking and, and then heading to the gym, having dinner together, seeing my daughter. But, uh, you know, they're in the old country right now. So on Monday, that, you know, Miami is one of the largest airports in the United States. Uh, fortunately, you got enough flights to get you most places where you want to go. If you're going to bigger places, you know, you don't have to get too many connections if you're leaving from Miami. But the problem down here this time of year, we're in the rainy season. And that was when we got to the airport on Monday. You think Monday, right? It was a holiday. It was Juneteenth. But there were so many people at the airport. There were so many people there. The international uh, terminal where the line went back for a couple hundred, um, at least like 200 yards down past almost to the next terminal. So we're there, uh, Abby, Sky, and my sister-in-law. Uh, I got in line. There's nothing like holding a line at, uh, at the airport because, you know, you have to explain why one person's there and all of a sudden three more people come walking up with their luggage. I had two pieces of luggage with me. So one person came up with their luggage. So three people came. And I'm looking around. And I'm telling everyone, oh, I'm just holding this place. I'm in line. This is, you know, this is something. Something you do. But, you know, they're pretty good. People are pretty good uh, in the line. And when you get a, a line that long, there's a psychology about people when they get up near the front. And someone tries to cut the line. Those people become tigers at the front of the line. They will watch, they will guard and say, hey, listen, you're you're supposed to get in the line. I waited in the line. You get in the line. So I'd see all these people walking down to see, oh, is this actually the way, line for the terminal? I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe there's another line for people like me. You mean people that are assholes and impatient? <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah. No, you see them walk down, and then all of a sudden they come walking back dejected. Uh, for a moment, there was... Uh, through. There were three women in front of me while I was waiting in line for about thirty minutes. While my wife and daughter are checking, and my sister-in-law are checking in their luggage, and um, there's three women in front of me, and they're talking about their flight, and they're saying where they're going, and I heard them say something about uh, going to Cleveland, and I said, "You're, you're, uh, ladies. This is uh, terminal. We're in line for Terminal J." Do you, are, I mean, that's the international terminal. Is that where you want to go? Almost all the flights are international from there, I think. And they look at their ticket and it says terminal G. Or gate, you know. So I said to them, I said, you got to go about two, two terminals uh, south of here. Or I guess that would be east, wherever it is. And the ladies had been waiting in the line for a half hour. And they handled it so right. They just went, "Oh my God, we're waiting." And I'm going, oh, "Shit, man!" They hand- if I did it, my my I would have been angry at myself. And these ladies handled the right. He goes, "Oh, we're going to be late for our plane," and <laughs> that's what they said. And and they walked and they walked to Terminal G. I would have been running. I guess that's the way to do it. But I waited. I saw the um, the girls. We you know we had. Uh, all the all the things you have to do to get ready for international travel make sure especially international travel you got to make sure you have your adapters, God number one, the passport, your bank cards, your most important if you have medication, things you can't get over there, just think about it and it's pretty much everything you sit fit in the handbag right for ladies at least and then I said the rest of the stuff you know i they they were carrying a big piece of luggage. I don't know your strategy. I told him to say, listen, put all your secondary clothes, most of the clothes you wear day to day in the big luggage, but you got to have two essentials in your carry-on. And they go, what do you mean two essentials? I said, you know, two changes of clothes in your carry-on baggage at least, maybe more. So something can get you by for about four or five days. And, and I said, well, what happens if you lose your checked baggage? So you're going to have to buy all your luggage. If you have your clothes and your, your toiletries and all that stuff and your carry-on, you don't have to worry about it for at least a couple days. And a lot of times it turns up or you're going to end up buying it. So we did all that stuff. We got them in, in time. And then, as it would, as I said earlier, it's the rainy season. It starts a torrential downpour. It had rained a couple showers on the way up. Real heavy showers where the rain's coming down. You barely can see a couple hundred yards and it slows all the traffic down. And I know it happens. Rain happens in all different places around the world. It just seems in South Florida, there's some, something about the rain here, how fast it comes down. how It's almost like sh- it's definitely sheets of rain coming down. And you see it when you're inside the terminal. And you go, my God, it looks like a hurricane. I think, how is this plane going to leave? And you're thinking, once the girls, now there's the whole psychology. I, I take them to the airport, I'm hanging with them until they get up to um, TSA. But after you get through the security checkpoint, that's goodbye. Right? Once they get to Chicago, that's that's goodbye, and then you leave. And what are you gonna do? Stay there. So I hung out for them to go through the line and stuff like that. See they, they got through. And I started to make my way back to Key Largo, which is about a fifty five mile trip from the airport. The shortest the shortest way. And it was three o'clock, but it, it was downpour. So what happens? Like happens any place when there's real, real heavy rain, traffic slows down. It slowed down to a crawl, and it's raining so much that the uh, once you see it's all backed up, it looks like it's it's telling me it's a, a normal trip that take an hour and five minutes uh, of moderate traffic was going. It was showing two hours and twenty minutes. So I put on my navigation. I left my navigation on so I could see detours if anything comes up, and it turns out I really needed it. So as I was heading down the Florida Turnpike, I got taken off the Turnpike twice to go around stoppages where there's flooding on the highway, or just because of the heavy rain it causes the accordion effect where all the cars slow down. They're going, like, they're going at most five miles an hour. So I'm going on this side roads. With all the lights, that's the option, going to side roads. Yeah, to get a little faster. But, on the side roads, and it's Miami, remember Miami is not, it has very low elevation, the intersections start flooding. And you start seeing uh, SU, the, the police car, SUVs blocking the intersections, the lights flashing red. And they're on some of the major side roads that are um, three lanes north and south are turned into one lane in order to get through the flooded intersection, so cars don't get inundated underneath. So I got the one, and I'm back about a quarter mile. But there's a big tra- there's a big shopping center on the right, and I notice my travel app, my uh, directions, is not routing me around this intersection, though everything stopped. But clearly. There's a shopping center right there, and the one corner of the shopping center terminates at the intersection that's blocked, and I'm thinking, wow, what if I get, there's not a lot of cars there. I can see almost down there that there's not a big backup of cars trying to cross the highway, which is blocked, which all the roads are blocked, cars are blocked there, and I decided to go into the shopping center. I said, well, I can wait in the shopping center. I can rain on the road. I go around, I pull around, I get on the perpendicular road that cuts into the intersection that's closed off and I make a right turn and I'm back on. I did that twice. and it ended up taking me about a good two, two hours and 20 minutes of uh, a ride that normally takes an hour. And I was thinking about it. I said, wow, why wouldn't that app route me through the parking lot? And I said, well, you know what? There was only one thing in my head that why it wouldn't do it, because the people had a sense of decency. Think of the mayhem that would happen in that parking lot if all the travel apps started suggesting for people to go into the parking lot, go up to that intersection, and do what I did, which, you know, in the end was kind of selfish. I realized it was selfish at the end, but I didn't feel so bad because no one followed what I was doing. And so I made it through two blockages. I did, I had a, I'm driving a Jetta and you do not want to drive. If you're questioning the depth of water you're driving through, you don't want to be driving a Volkswagen Jetta that seems to be like 11 inches off the ground. At most. At most. And you're thinking, wow. I mean, it's going to be sucking up water and I'm, I mean, I'm going to ruin the engine. So I did that. I got back, you know, a little... Fra- it was quite a day. Monday was quite a day. I had um, So I said goodbye to ladies, uh, Abby and Skye, and they're going to be away for a while. So I got to keep myself occupied. And one of this is doing a podcast. I'm revisiting things like that. And then... Uh, so even though the girls are away, I got a busy week. I got my normal things I do with the podcast, my fitness instruction, uh, notary, on On Tuesday morning, the day after it left, oh, I forgot. Because of all the storms, my wife and daughter were supposed to fly out on Lufthansa. They did fly out on Lufthansa. The plane was um, a flight. It flew from Germany to Orlando and then was flying from Orlando to Miami and then going back to Frankfurt. And it got stuck in Orlando for at least three hours. And then it was stuck at the, date, uh, the gate for another two hours at, um, in Miami because of the rain. The rain was so bad it couldn't take off. Yeah. So it sounds no bullshit. And that was happening to everyone. That was the, all the flights. So they said the whole terminal was uh, just loaded with passengers. They had flight, late flights, normally at 11 o'clock. I, I think they eventually left at 20 after 10. But there were, there were planes going late into 11, 12, 1 o'clock, which they get very few after 10 o'clock, those flights. You know, the bulk of them are earlier. So they were going into early in the wee hours in the morning to get rid of the backlog. So the girls ended up getting into Poland about six hours later. Instead of getting there like 1 in the afternoon, they ended up getting there like 10 at night. I may be exaggerating a bit. It could have been, but they did get there late um, and got back to um, their their final destination where they had to, you know, pick up the rental car and things like that. And there's nothing you just really should give yourself in the summertime because they say, especially European travel. I can imagine that the airports are even more crowded this year, domestic and internationally, because we're further away from COVID and it, it appears as if we might be coming out of this business slowdown, so with uh to get back to that the girls eventually got to Poland and stuff like that. but then I still had things to do. I had a sunrise wedding. I think I'm going post post I'm gonna post the pictures on my keys bartender uh, I'll post some of the pictures the sunrise wedding. Yeah, so we went to this lodge, and this couple asked me to be there, and I performed the ceremony, because I'm a a notary, and in Florida, as you heard before, notaries also can officiate weddings, so we took a couple pictures, and then we did the ceremony, and then we did a couple pictures later, just a couple of me, but it was a beautiful, beautiful weather. I mean, I was just thinking the night before that it was going to be pouring in the morning, but... Like I said, you never get it. There's, a big, there's big gray cl- clouds to the north of us right now. I'm looking at them, and uh, you know, it knows very well. There's probably a 50-50 chance it won't even rain, even though you hear the thunder. So that's what this week has been like. And then Wednesday, I had to go up for this. Yeah, yesterday, I was up for my cardiologist appointment and stuff like that, and I got an echocardiogram. And I was, after they were done, I said to the nurse, I said, I know you can't say anything, but is there anything you've seen that makes you maybe want to urge me to go back to my doctor earlier? Because I said I was getting it done. Here it is, um, about a week and a half before the end of June, and it won't be until a week and a half into August before I see my regular cardiologist. I was tested for it, and I said, is there anything that you see that might make you uh, w- want me to change my appointment to earlier? And I said, well, because I don't have an appointment for about eight weeks or seven weeks for my cardiologist. And she goes, um, <clears throat> you can, you'll be fine for your appointment for, the, uh, for your cardiologist, which is kind of something. I don't know. I don't think she said anything. So she didn't spoil anything right there. Getting on to the bartending thing. So all these things I told uh I was telling people about that uh I, I use this stuff at the bar. I I went in there and people knew I had my doctor's appointment uh yesterday and they asked me um Questions like, what did they tell me? Blah, 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 blah. blah. And I said, listen, during tests, they don't tell you anything until the doctor has to tell you. They just give you the test. They see the results, even though they've seen hundreds of them and stuff like that. They they can't really tell you. They have to show it to a doctor. And, have to, and they go, well, how'd it go? Now, that's where my artistic license comes in. Let me tell you how I went. How, how did it go, Jim? And I said, Well, I went for the electrocardiogram, and the woman asked me to, um, she was stepping out of the room, the nurse was stepping out of the room and said, uh, Take off your shirt. And I uh, stripped down, and when she came back in, she told me to put my pants back on because I only needed to take my shirt off. And Everyone's looking at me and I said, No, that you know, and that, you know, they they're assuming I did that. Some of these people, they, they they take things literally. So I just left it as that because they're going around and says Jim got an electrocardiogram and he took all his clothes off. No, I only took my shirt off. And it did take it did take a while, you know. They're just doing um, an echocardiogram is a sonogram of your heart. It's like getting an, it's an ultrasound for your heart, just like you would for a baby. So it was there, breathe, hold, breathe, hold, breathe, hold, breathe, hold, like 25, 30 minutes. And, um, and they said, well, what, did it, what was it like? I said, well, it was the first time I ever had it. And I never thought it was going to be like it was. I, I kind of knew from Echo that it had to do with sound. But I thought it'd be more like an MRI, And then they asked me, and then I thought it wouldn't involve any insertion into the butt. And they go, what? And I said, yeah. There was a long probe they used going up the butt, which I thought was far away from the heart. And people were looking at me and so I'm using all this as they didn't stick anything up my butt. I just want you to know. But this is how I prime uh, the happy hour crowd because it was 4 o'clock at the bar. And I'm telling people like that. And they're, they're, they're in the mood. I'm reading the room. I know it was a bunch of regulars. I can say this stuff. That's one of the reasons why I ask people not to bring their children to the bar. You know, it says children come. It kind of ruins the vibe. I'm not exactly a Daniel Tosh or um, a Don Rickles kind of insult person, but... It is definitely rated R. I like setting the mood at the bar. And you have to be, what you have to, if people aren't meant to be happy, what is the point? I understand we have this kind of image, maybe it's provided by popular culture, that some bars are depressing and sad. And they can be depressing and sad. It depends on the mood that you're setting. You should not, if, if you have a bar and it has a reputation for that, because originally when I went to this, the, the restaurant I work in used to be called the Paradise Pub in Key Largo. And about 15 years ago, before I met Abby, I first started getting sober. But I still hang out at a couple, I mean, it's old habits were hard to um, break. I wasn't drinking, but I wanted to meet people and translate people as ladies so i was checking out local places and going. in you know since i'm a bartender i knew how to go in and drink like a bottle of water and stuff like that maybe buy someone to drink just checking out places in the neighborhood figure i know people so i walked in the the catch used to be the paradise pub i walked in there and here's this dark place i walk in it's dark there's a little music playing there's about maybe seven people around the bar. Their heads are down. It's quiet. It's dark. And it is sad. I did not get off the mat. I turned around and left. Now, I understand that there were other times at this place when it was probably lively and fun. And people used to hang out there and stuff like that. And I'm sure it was our hangout. But... If I walk into a place and people aren't laughing, like generally you don't want to walk into a place and it's just a little little tight-knit crew and they don't want any strangers in it. You walk in the door, everyone stares at you like you're in Children of the Corn and they're just staring at you. What are you doing here, stranger? No, you want a place to say, come on in, have a seat and you know maybe it's hard when you have certain conversations when you're sharing something with someone but if you're telling a story and it's lively and people are laughing people generally like to be in places like that so setting the mood at your bar is a service to your wallet your, your bottom line people like to go to places like that think of the all time most popular bar show Cheers Now, in character, in the show, the bar was slightly depressing, but observing the bar from the outside, it was hilarious. One of the most popular shows. People liked to go and watch what things were going on at Cheers, you know, what was going on there, what was being said. Was it fun? And it's you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not making it fun. So you got to read the room. You know, I always resort to I try not to say. Some of my humor is somewhat controversial, but it is not filthy. I am not a filthy comedian. I'm not suggesting I'm a comedian. Well, I mean, I am a I'm I am a comedian. I'm a comedian. I do a podcast. I call it a comedy podcast and stuff like that. I'm a comedian. I have my own material. I use my own material. I use usually stories and things like that. About uh, I use self deprecating humor. I can. I'm not a stranger to insulting someone. Maybe friendly of someone I know. I don't like insulting strangers because I don't even know what's going on with them. You know, you don't know how they react. And uh, you know, you don't want to damage somebody, and you could be damaging the person you know. But you, sometimes they just don't let you know because they're they're pushing it all down. But I'm I'm not saying too heavy, you know, insult thing. Lighthearted, lighthearted, and generally it's people, and almost always it's people that aren't uh, a stranger to insulting other people. So once they do that. You know, you open the Pandora's box, you're allowed to do that stuff. So you got to read the room. you got to look around. And that's why when you hear me say, like, yeah, you technically were a restaurant, so you can have kids sit at the bar. But I said, I don't want to have kids sitting at the bar. Because sometimes you got to say shit or fuck or something like that. And then people look at you. You know, you have your kids sitting at the bar and then people look at you and go like well, this. Why are you sitting at the bar? There's liquor. There's going to be some talk going on. It could be, you know, every so often. um, We don't have guys go in depth. I I don't think it's comfortable to talk about um, sex at the bar, you know, especially, you know, mixed company. So I'd probably stay there. But there's all sorts of things before, you know, a range of items that you talk to that wouldn't be appropriate for kids, you know, all types of humor. So you have to set the tone there, and you got to make a welcoming, congenial, funny, cheesy jokes work for me. I heard one the other day I really like. It's an old, old knock knock joke. You know, whenever here, I like a corny old knock knock joke, and this one was like, uh, knock knock, who's there? Little old lady, and it comes back, little old lady who, and you go. Why are you yelling? I like that's like definitely like a six, seven year old, eight year old uh, joke. And then that is funny as shit that some uh, person had a couple drinks in them. So, and uh, unless you're talking to a little old lady, it's funny to almost anyone. No, unless someone comes in, in a Swiss Miss Alpine costume, you're not going to insult anybody. I try, generally try to do it, and, you know, when some people get a little too heavy, you know, you can do jokes and stuff like that, but when, you start, when people get a little brutal about maybe saying things about gay people or different groups, I'll just say, hey, hold on a second. We're, we're not doing that mean-spirited stuff here and stuff like that. You know, every so often people think be, you could be lighthearted, but if you dwell a little too hard and get a little too vicious, you can really tell when something is mean-spirited. You don't make, you know, you try not making fun of someone's disabilities and, and things like that. Try not to hit too close to home. Be, you know, general in your info. Make the story sometimes, it could be about you, not about someone else. You know, this self-deprecating humor. Um, you got to be strong enough not to, you know, Put yourself into a horrible mood. You want to be motivated and happy with your life if you're going to be doing that kind of humor. Taking it from, you know, taking the brunt of the comedic action on yourself. Uh, the other day, uh, two weeks ago, uh, when Tina Turner passed away, God rest her soul. I love Tina Turner. Um, I broke in to a rendition of Private Dancer and I did a, a little impression of how Tina uh, Turner would walk around in her high heel shoes not that I had high heel shoes but you know, she had the ultra high heel shoes and walking around like that and the way she used to talk and um, I was careful you know, I wanted to honor someone that passed away and things like that but also it was kind of humorous so there's a fine line we walk out there when we're working in the industry. You don't want to insult anybody. Um, you know, just like when... There's almost anything that happens. Horrible things. So you don't want to be... Um, what would you call that word necessarily? You don't want to be calloused. But you do want to make lighthearted with things that are generally people are afraid of, like death. You know, you have to take a lighthearted thing because death is so, so much around us, especially in a place that maybe skews slightly older. So that taking people's mind off things without dwelling too much, taking it away from their normal cares. If someone's having a problem with your job, you don't want to talk about their job. You want, to th- you want to talk about something else funny that may have happened. Maybe we have a friend of ours that comes in, one of our regulars, who swears, who absolutely swears. He's, only, he's, in, he's 65 years old. A worldly man. Works in the construction business. That he's only been to a strip club once. And this is how he did it. I mentioned he lived down here for his whole life. He says, I've only been to that Woody's once. And then he goes... Well, maybe twice. And then I looked at him, and there was a group of people. I said, oh, do you want to revise that number? And he goes, like this, Uh, like by a 1,000? You know? And then whenever he goes someplace, like he does like going up to Tampa. He has relatives up in Tampa, him and his family. And I said, you know, I said to him, Tampa has a lot of strip clubs that doesn't matter to you does it that's funny shit and that sets the light tone and this guy's good he'll play along he'll just call me an asshole you start yelling and when he does that you know he's having a good time so setting the stage and creating that atmosphere even having to resort to having someone call you an asshole actually i have i still have the tape of one of my regulars tina uh, I should use that in the uh as a sound uh effect in this show. you know you're an asshole thing because that always breaks them up too, and I do all the things that people come in when depending on what kind of mood people are in when they're ready to order, especially tourists are different than the regulars versus the uh, people um that are going back to my workers that come in to have a couple drinks during happy hour and then head back home. Um, They all have their different motivations and things like that. When the tourists are down here, they're looking to have a good time and they're looking to get a vibe of the feeling and the people come in, they're totally, they can't read what's around them. And they come into our family style seafood restaurant and we'll have a person that says something like this, can you tell me a little about your mahi? And then I can just roll into whatever I want to. Generally, uh, I came up with a new one two weeks ago. It was, well, his name was Frank. He grew up off of the reef. He had a happy life and he was harvested or caught. And then people are looking at me and said, oh, you just want to know about the preparation. I thought you were talking about that particular mahi that they're going to be serving you. And they looked at me and then I smiled and I go, uh, I don't think his name was Frank. I don't think fish have names. And that set the tone for evening. They had a good time. You know, luckily, you know, if they're insulted and they come to a bar and you ask a question like that and you're insulted, you're going to have a horrible time in the Keys. Well, that's it. I know I ended up kind of like a downer note, but it's kind of on an up note if you're one, you know, if you're Frank the Mahi. I'd like to uh, thank you for listening. This is Jim the Keys, bartender. I'll be back again. Have a great day. Bye.